Outro back. Hello, sorry. What's so funny? <laughs> the, the sound you made before you started. What? It's kind of like a Wookiee. Love yeah. me a Wookiee. Yes. Uh, speaking of Wookiees. Oh, no. Because, of course, I am nearly done my voyage into Star Wars Clone Wars, who are catching up to the current season. And I forgot that there is this series of episodes that follows these younglings making their lightsabers. And okay. one of the younglings is a... Wookie. A Wookiee named Gunji. And I am not in Chewbacca. Not Chewbacca. Just to be clear. But uh, are you, so he's a young so he is a like a kid Wookiee. Okay. Named Gunji. Any relation is, to Chewbacca? No, they're just oh, Wookiees. Damn. They're both just just Wookiees. Chewbacca Shoot. does show up in the show though at some point. He, uh, That's good. He, he gets captured by hunters. Who doesn't love Chewbacca? No, uh, yeah, exactly. Chewbacca's the best. Everyone loves Chewbacca. I've never met a single person who doesn't like Chewbacca. You saw Rise of Skywalker, right? So you know how in Force... No, in Last Jedi, they had the two R... They did the tribute for Carrie Fisher. Mm -hmm. Did they do the same thing in Rise of Skywalker for the actor who played Chewbacca? Because if they didn't, I'm going to be really mad about it. I don't remember. Okay. I'm, I'm, we're gonna Maybe. I don't remember. You, I'm, you, you still haven't watched it, so no, we're still I, waiting. I, I'm Somehow still waiting for you to watch it, even though I said I would watch it with you for I'm, my second I'm time. waiting another month for it to come on Blu-ray and totally get Blu-ray, not find it online once somebody uploads a Blu-ray onto exactly. Putlocker or something. But anyway, Alex, that's neither here nor there. I want to ask you, people always ask, where were you when the golden goal was scored? I want to ask you, where were you October 29th, 2019? What were you doing? Where was Alex, October 29th? What day is that? A Saturday? I have no clue. I just threw a random date out there. Uh, October 29th was a Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, were we in Cheryl's class? We might have been in Cheryl's class. Possibly doing a newsroom or something. Possibly. Because that's the last time Jimmy Howard had a win for the oh, Detroit. Oh, no. Yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. On the season, Jimmy Howard in oh, 27 no. games played has two wins, 21 losses, two overtime losses. I feel really bad. A 4.20, oh, that's right, a 420 goals against average and an 882 save percentage. You know, I feel bad. I'm not going to lie. I do too. Because, like, at the beginning of the season and even last year, right, he, uh, he signed an extension some point last year, I don't remember when off the top of my head, but I thought that was kind of silly because they could have got assets for Jimmy Howard. Oh yeah, last year, and I going into this year, I said okay, another season they could have got assets for him, but I don't think anyone would have been calling on Jimmy Howard, and I'd be quite surprised if there was a team who was. I was looking at his career stats, and he his career save percentage is up at a 913, which is not bad. No. That's pretty good. And He's, does that take into account this year and, like, last year when they were not that good? I believe it does. This is from oh. NHL.com. So, it's it's he's always had a bit of a rough, kind of rough bone in his career, 
because it's just that whole like backup situation back in Detroit's heyday and that if you look at NHL.com there's like a description of his career it basically talks about how he kind of got screwed out of being the starter for a few years and you know Mike Babcock and all that kind of stuff it's really interesting yeah I, I have his stats up here too like he's been a pretty somewhat consistent goalie to a certain extent like I'm looking at his numbers at least like even last year or the last two years, considering how poor the team has been. Last year, Jimmy Howard was twenty three, twenty two, and five, and had a nine oh nine save percentage. That's not terrible. The year before, and the, the Red Wings were still not very good. Twenty two, twenty seven, and nine with a nine ten save percentage. League average. Like what the hell happened? Like obviously the team in front of him is really not good. It does say something, just talking about how bad a year Detroit has really had this this year. Of course, it's all intentional, but the permanent damage this could do. Because I think a, an underrated part of this is that they lost the locker room presence of Henrik Zetterberg. And is Dylan Larkin really the best guy to really... Because he, he's the future captain of that team. And right. who else is there from the old guard? Uh, Danny DeKaiser. Oh, great. Danny Deke and... Um, Johan Franzen, I believe, is still on LTIR. So he's probably in Sweden skiing. Let me pull up their cap friendly. There's definitely a couple names. Oh, I got one for you. Justin Abdelkader. I don't know what it is about him, but I always want to bring him up, but I never remember his name. How about this one? Darren Helm. The captain of LTIR. Well, he's not on LTIR right now. Oh, he will be, though. He always is. He's How about this one? Jonathan Erickson. My silence, I think, speaks volumes. But they like Dylan Larkin is a guy who's gonna gonna be there for the long term, right? He's that team's future captain. And I just think like there was this picture of him after their loss to the Sens, and he just had his head down and his arms wrapped around his head. Like what is he looked shell shocked. Well, it must be frustrating. Can I read you what their record is right now? I would love that. They're obviously last in the league by 19 points. The only team eliminated so far? Only team eliminated. In 67 games, they are 15, 47, and 5 with 35 points. They have a goal differential, which not many people really care about, but this one is extremely significant. Negative one hundred and twenty. The next closest team, Ottawa, negative forty six. I no words to describe. That's almost triple. That's almost triple. It's not. I can't even say my normal phrase of "Hey, we'll keep an eye on this" because it's just going to continue to just be terrible. It can't get worse. I was watching. I was figuring out what games to watch the other day after the Habs one and finished, and it was. I think I saw Detroit Buffalo again. I thought I almost clicked it and realized, Adam, what are you? You've already done this to yourself once this season. Why are you going to put this kind of game on again? Yeah, I see. There's a thing. There's a couple of things that at this point of the season you'll you want to turn on. And usually you kind of look at the bottom of the standings and go, okay, which teams are really going to give up a team a real kick in the ass? Mm -hmm. And usually there's a couple teams. This year there is zero. There's one team. I, I if they're if they're playing, I might turn their game on. Ottawa. Really? Yeah, man. They just look like they're having fun, even though they suck. 
and they know they suck. Like they're embr- it's like they're embracing it. Yeah, DJ Smith's done a really, really good job of just being the I would say the deputy of fun. Wow, imagine if like he was allowed to do things in Toronto. Imagine. We're, we're talking about fun. We're talking about the Sens in connection with Detroit here, of course. Now, Detroit and the Sens just actually had a home-and-home. And And in the first game of that, now this is probably one of the best stories in the league. We're all talking about David Ayers, of course. That's a story that's bigger than hockey itself. But in the scope of hockey, of course, in his first game back from the NHL slash NHL PA assistance program, and after 100 days of sobriety, Bobby Ryan scores his first hat-trick in years. Yeah. Versus the Detroit Red Wings in his Ottawa Sens return. No, it's awesome. He was I love it. crying. There were Bobby chants. I got emotional watching it. I won't lie. I was so I was like, I, I, Bobby Ryan's not going to listen to this podcast. Probably not. He doesn't care what strangers say. But I am proud. I mean, of I Bobby hope Ryan. he listens to the podcast. I mean, I hope all of them. I hope everyone in in the league listens to this podcast. I'm looking at you, Brett Kulak, get on this show right now. But ser- in all seriousness, I am proud of Bobby Ryan. Yeah, you know what the other thing is as well is I think not only that, uh, him coming back from the NHL players at the assistance program, but the fact that he got that uh, that reaction and the last couple of years have not been fun for him considering his contract and what everyone says about it. It was the anchor that was going to be the Eric Carlson deal of, oh, you got to take Bobby Ryan and just everyone ripping it. He was the butt of so many Ottawa jokes in a, a valley of things to make fun of of the Ottawa Senators. Yeah. This is just, what a, you also look at this from, as, as the Sens as a whole as an organization, a fantastic year for them. A.K.A. Melnick hasn't done anything stupid. I haven't heard Eugene Melnick at all this year. Which is exactly what they needed. And they have three first-round picks, four second-round picks, two third-round picks, and two first-round picks that are going to be lotteries. I wonder if Batman said something. I don't... uh, That's interesting. I, I want... For me, I wouldn't be surprised if he said something, but the comments that he makes outside of the situation when he's asked, it doesn't seem like he's really the guy who's going to go in there, considering the things that he was dealing with when he was first commissioner. Literally, I think they, they talk about all the time, he was literally just blowing out. He was a firefighter. The guy was just blowing out fires left, right, and center. Hello, owners in jail. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if he said something like, you know what, why don't you lay low for this year? A friendly pat on the back, but really he's he got something keep in his quiet. other hand to yeah. keep you quiet keep, there. Keep quiet, because this team, if it goes well, it, it could like, it'd be very interesting to see what happens. I mean, considering that, I mean, I wish the arena wasn't in the middle of nowhere, because... I think that it, it, it could be. Like, there's not a lot to do. I've been to Ottawa a couple of times. I mean, they do have their football team. Like, they have the Ottawa Red Blacks. They have their somewhat professional soccer team. It, there's not a whole lot to do in Ottawa. It's just full of senators. It's literally just 
Yeah, full of senators, full hockey of players, and politicians. And, and politicians, mm-hmm. right? So if it, it, it this rebuild, and I we've talked about it on the podcast a lot, this rebuild can turn things around for this organization. I think about having two lottery picks, and how much, uh, f- at least from Sportsnet and Sam Cosentino and Jeff Merrick, how much they talk about this draft. Not like just starting with Alexis Lafreniere. And they could have him. They, they could have Quentin Byfield. They, they could have like everyone. Yeah. Literally. Like I think that it, it can go well. And I, w- I would be surprised if they have all four second round picks going into the second day. I think they could package it and get some something of value depending on what they want to do. Or they can make four picks. I don't... Obviously, I'm not Pierre Dorian, but I was... For me, I think a lot of people made fun of Pierre Dorian because he made the Mark Stone like well the Mark Stone deal actually I I didn't mind. We're a team. He made the Eric Carlson trade, which really didn't look good. And there was a couple other things that he did that really didn't look good. But I think he was really stopped by Eugene Melnick. I think he just lost a lot of credit because he made really dumb moves because he was being pushed by an owner. Especially the Eric Carlson stuff for sure, because we heard stuff about like Melnick giving crap to Carlson about an Uber and the team card, and it, you remember there was the rumor of that eight-year deal at eleven per that was more of just a hey, buddy, look right. like we not as a Daniel Chara situation of we didn't give him an offer. Jesus, well, the sense of a history. I, of this. I think there 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 was another situation coming out of Ottawa too last. Uh, last year or two years ago, uh, their coach. Now the name's not coming to me. Oh, um, uh, the, the this the bug-eyed walrus. The French guy. That's what I remember. He was. Oh, French. Bob Hartley. No, 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 no. The other dude that. Oh God. Well, it was last year. It was last year. They fired him. You sure you don't? And you don't mean Randy Lee? No. I know I don't remember his name, but either way, a week before they fired him, they said he was our coach. They said that this guy was their coach, and then a week later they fired him, and everyone was blaming Pierre Dorian. I mean, it could Pierre Dorian could be the guy that said we oh, need to fire Guy him. Boucher. Guy Boucher, thank you. It very well could have been Pierre Dorian, but I don't think you make a statement like that. And a week later, when you're already at the bottom, you 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 change your mind. I really do think that there's a lot of pushing from Eugene Melnick. Yes. Going on there between him and Pierre Dorian. And I was very surprised that they didn't end up hiring uh, a president of hockey operations. And it seemed like no one wanted the job either. Well, they should have given it to Doug McLean, obviously. Hey, I mean, (laughs) he's available, unfortunately. (laughs) Alex, though, I say we, we park the car there. And I say, we go to the back, we take out the groceries, and the groceries are these two pieces of fruit. Okay. Ripe pieces of fruit. What fruit are they? One is, is, let's say it's it's a thing of blueberries, right? Okay, what's the other one? The other one is, what's a, what's a burgundy fruit? Like purple? Burgundy. I don't know any, bur- like maybe you can throw an apple in there. Just yeah, there's on the color there's of the a apple. there's a, you know a, there's a, a dozen apples in one bag, and the okay. other other one is I a might bunch take of the apples. is a bunch of blueberries. Okay, I might take the apples. Now in this scenario, oh. 
what I'm trying to get at here is there are these two fantastic young defensemen that are going head-to-head for the Calder this year. There's Quinton Hughes of the Vancouver Canucks, who in 63 games this year, he has 51 points. Incredible. Then over in Colorado, 56 games played, 47 points, 12 goals, Kale McCarr. Okay. Now, and there was, I forgot who put the poll up, but somebody put it up on Twitter saying, who do you think deserves the Calder Trophy, a.k.a. NHL Rookie of the Year? And it was between the two of these two. It was between Makar and Quinton Hughes. Forget about Victor Olavzin. Forget about Nick Suzuki. Um, Ilya Makaya. Ilya, stop it. Uh, Ilya Samsonov has not been getting any attention, which, you know, I'll, he, he should go. He's never got it. it was from Igor Shosturkin. Igor Shosturkin. I think he started too late, but okay. it's it's these two defensemen. Yeah, I don't think anyone else. I think I think at this point people are fighting for the third final spot. Third final spot. Yes. I think it really whoever wins it's between these two. So it was Ian Tullock. He put up a tweet that said, "If the season ends today, who's your pick for the Calder Trophy?" There's four hours left on this poll. Four thousand five hundred and forty-five people have voted. Voted. Okay. 49% Kale McCarr, 51% Quinton Hughes. Uh, By the way, uh, I just want to say that if there's a Canadian team that has a presence on, on Twitter that is uh, there to defend their player, it is the Vancouver it's guys. the Vancouver. You cannot say anything about defensemen, yeah. the Norris, the Calder. You can't even bring up Nick Lidstrom no. without Vancouver Canucks fans bringing in the idea of quitting. That's very different than what we're used to. Yeah, normally right, because, because yeah, because our <laughs> fan bases are more everything is terrible and burn it to the ground. Right. When the Canucks are like, Louis Erickson is an effective player that should, it just isn't a low shooting percentage. Gah. Yeah. Okay, so you want my opinion? Yeah, who do you think deserves it? Who do I think deserves it, or who do I think will win it? Who do you think? Okay, you want, yeah, yeah. You who do you answers? think is going to win it? Let's start with. I that. probably think if if the rest of the season goes and neither of them get injured, I pr- I would guess that Quinn Hughes wins it simply because I think he'll end up with more points, and I think he'll because he'll play. He has played more games. He'll get. He'll get more votes. I don't agree with that. I think Kale McCarr deserves to win it. I mean, from what I've seen of both players, which is probably limited, I I do like Kale McCarr better. So And it helps that he's right-handed. For example, Kale McCarr has played seven games less than Quinton Hughes. Four points less in those games. Right. And there is, again, and, and I don't want to discount Quentin Hughes here because g- games played is something that we don't give a lot of credit to in this game, to be honest. And who is the Florida defenseman? Aaron Eckblad. Not Aaron Eckblad. Michael Matheson. No. Keith Yandel. Keith Yandel is approaching the record for, I think, most consecutive games played, okay. right? And, you know, I, I just, I, I think we got to give more credit to games played. Look at Matt Collin, for example. That guy, he hit 1,500, no one talked about it. I mean, like, that's 1,500 games more than I'll ever play in the NHL, right? That is true. And I just think, yes, it should be there, but I went to... I've seen the Colorado Avalanche live this year because, of course, they were in Montreal for a game. Right. 
It was Caden Primo's first NHL game. Yes, it was. I remember that. Hello. Do you know what? Sorry to make this quickly. Do you know what Igor Shostorkin and Caden Primo have in common? Uh, were they both drafted in the same year? I have no idea, but that's not oh. where I was going with it. Okay. They were both, know. both their NHL starts were against the Colorado Avalanche and Nathan McKinnon. Oh, uh, yes. Igor Shostorkin did start against. Yes. Him. I forgot about that. But in that game I went to. There was not a player who caught my eye more than Kale McCarr. He yeah. is so good. And his skating? My dear God. They were not drafted in the same year, by the way. They I were was, not? No, three right. years apart. See, I remember the 2017 draft. Igor <laughs> Shosturkin was 2014. 2014? That yeah, long be- ago. Yeah, because he was in Russia, right? He's been in Russia. That's True. why it, it, you don't realize... How long ago that was. So listen to this. This is okay. the 2017 draft. Probably one of the strangest drafts that I, in recent memory, because it's Heesher. Oh, I thought that was the Darlene draft. No. Heesher. But, but no one talks about how good Darlene is, by the way. Yeah, because he plays in Buffalo. He's so good. Anyway, though. So Nico Heesher first. Good pick. Yeah, Nolan no. Patrick has not had, has had health issues. That's unfortunate. Miro Heiskanen, by the way, Dallas Stars wow. fan, they are sneaky, protective over Miro Heiskanen. I would be too. And of course, this is the year Colorado finished last. They fell back, and then they get Kale McCarr, then of course, Patterson was at fifth. And, and if we go look at Quinton Hughes' draft, is 2018, that of course was Darlene, Svechnikov, Kotkaniemi, Kachuk, Hayden, Zadina, wow. then Hughes. So there are two defensemen that are from two very interesting drafts, in my opinion. Was that the draft? Now, you'd probably know better than I do. Was that the draft? 2018. No, that Brian Burke always talks about that teams had... Was it Pedersen they had at number one, or it was Quinn Hughes that they had at number one? It was Pedersen that... uh, uh, There was four teams that had him number one, and they know for sure that... The only one they can figure out is Nashville had him in number one. Okay. And yeah, I mean, so looking Hughes, at it, not Hughes, not Hughes, okay. no. But there were, I remember, I forget where I was listening to it, but it might have been Hockey Central when they had someone come on for the Canucks. But they were talking about how, how it's a miracle that Hughes fell because if you remember the 2018 draft, now the Habs screwed everything up at three drafting for position, and then of course the Coyotes were like, oh. Hello there. I'm gonna take Barrett Hayden, and then that made it. It was just a free for all. That made no sense. So Quinton Hughes should have been a top, potentially top four pick. So they're they're two very Uh, interesting players. Top three. Very interesting story. Yeah, probably. I would have taken him over Zadina. I would have taken him over Hayden. I would have taken him over Kachuk. Really? Because I, I think the question for third is either Kachuk or Hughes. I would have taken Hughes. You would have. Yeah. They're both good players, but... I really... I don't know. I like I like Hughes. Like, I was watching him last night at the game because they played Toronto, and, like, I just liked... The, I just loved him. Yeah? I mean, yeah, from what I was watching. And then, of course, if we look at the 2017 draft, you probably see that Pedersen's first. And then keep in mind, McCarr did go back to play in the NCAA. Right. Which is very smart. You look at um, look at Hughes, the other Hughes, Jack Hughes, Jack and how Hughes. him coming, the first player to come straight from the U.S. Developmental League that hasn't been. That probably wasn't the smartest move. No, it wasn't. And 
I think if you redo the 2017 draft, let me ask you, Elias Patterson is probably first over Heiskin and Patrick Heischer, without a question, right? I think for me, if I'm going to redo the top five, I don't think I don't think yet there's anyone in the first round that there's really big movement into the top five. But I would say it's um, Patterson, Heiskinen, Makar, Heischer. I think that's fair. By the way, I'm not tooting his horn here, but Nick Suzuki probably moves up as well. Yeah, he moves up. I just don't think he moves into the top five. Yeah, he. I don't think he goes over Heischer. He doesn't go over Heiskanen. He doesn't go over Makar, Patterson. I think maybe he can hit. He, he'd be number five if I had to redo it. It just, I don't know yet. I mean, we've seen limited n- numbers from Cody Glass. Uh, Casey Middlestad hasn't turned out yet. Uh, Owen Tippett hasn't touched the NHL yet. Gabe Velarde's just started touching the NHL, and he's looked pretty good. good Martin Nakash has looked pretty good. I don't know what's there from him yet, right? Like, there's all these players who really haven't. I think it's too early to really say anything about most of these players below the bottom, below the top five. But what I think we can see for sure is both these defensemen are easily top three picks in their respective drafts. Yes. Besides going fourth and seventh, I believe. So. Yes. It's going to be a great race. They're both two fantastic defensemen. But in a perfect world, I think Makar gets it A because I like him more. And I won't lie to you, Alex. I won't lie to you. There's a thing with younger Habs fans like myself. That when you're raised by people who are Habs fans. Okay. A part of you has a soft spot for the Colorado Avalanche because of a Mr. Patrick Watt. So, and of course, See, who I doesn't love... See, I that. If I was you, I would not think that I'd be like, screw that, screw the avalanche. No, no, because no, no, you blame Mario Tremblay for okay. not pulling Watt and letting that happen. But you, you look at it, right? How about the and owner? How about the owner? Yeah. Listen, you blame the owner? there's a lot of people to blame. I mean, he did look at the owner and say, it's my last game. Yes, but he blew past Tremblay without saying anything. That him. is true. That is true. But, but, but anyway, so like, I, I've, always had, I've always had a very soft spot for the Colorado avalanche in my heart. Right. So maybe I am biased there, and of course you know me, Alex. I don't I do. care about the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, I know. I could care less about you. I don't care. You use your mom's credit cards, go buy a bunch of things. You know what's really funny? My mom was asking me, why did you call the episode with mom's credit cards? Like, yeah, first of all, did I you listen to the episode? She didn't listen to it. I had the same question. Yeah, from your, your dear mother. Yes. Everyone was very confused. There was a joke in there. You didn't land. That I didn't even acknowledge. I just no, kind of walked didn't. past it. You did. I didn't mean to do that. I was pretty that, upset but... about it in the moment. Like, <laughs> I thought that was a decent joke. But what are we going to do about it? So I asked you, who do you think will win? But are we both in agreement that we would both, would, if we had the choice, we'd give it to Kale McCarr? If I was part of the Professional Hockey Writers Association, yes, I would pick Kale McCarr, number one, Quinn Hughes, number two. Also, Kale McCarr. What a fantastic name. Yeah, Kale. You know, that food. Makar. 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 Like My the little, car. Like the little, um, I forget what they're called. Like, there's these creatures in Legend of Zelda, and one of them is named Makar. That's where, the, obviously, that's where his name came from. Yes. His parents Legend. are huge Zelda fans. Exactly. And they thought, hey, <laughs> let's name him a food and then a Zelda character. But we're going to change his first It's like a woodland fairy. <laughs> But anyway, Alex, I thought oh. I would the first, but anyway, of the episode. There's a lot going on with the Islanders here. There is yes. a lot. First of all, 
They're saying goodbye to Brooklyn. They're going back to the Coliseum. For now. For now. For like two years, and then they're going to their new stadium. But regular season and all, they'll be there. Playoffs, hopefully, if they get into them. <laughs> After the trade they made, they really should. It's a good thing for them because it wasn't the same for their playoffs when they went back to Brooklyn after last no, year. I really think the fact that they're in uh, – it's the Coliseum's in New York where I don't know where the Coliseum is. It's I think it's actually in Long Island instead of Brooklyn. Perfect. It's, so it's exactly where they want to be. It's where their fan base actually is. Yeah, I think that's good because from what I heard from stingy Islanders fans is that it's much better at the Coliseum than it is uh, – I'm not sure what the Brooklyn Arena name is, but... But I believe it's the, the Barclays, Barclays Center. Center. Right, the Barclays Center. I heard that the Coliseum is much better, and apparently they've upgraded some things at the Coliseum, is what I read. That's nice. So I, I'm excited that they're actually playing in one stadium now instead of a million different stadiums. And the energy there is second... Honestly, when they get going, there are not a lot of arenas that are crazier than that, especially because they are... A rowdy bunch. Those New York kind of fans. They're not They're the from same. New York. They're kind of like the, the rattier version of the Ranger fans, <laughs> to be New honest York. with you. And they, they take I that as a compliment. Yeah, I know. Pajama boy. I can't even, I even want to try it again. That was just. Pajama not, boy. Did, did not look good. My voice is high enough to imitate that girl, so we're fine. They do, though, the Sia, the New York Islanders, continuing on their little page here in the Power Hour. Joss Hosang. Yeah. Is now has not worked out. His relationship has basically ended with the New York Islanders. He's going to the St. Louis affiliate, which I can't remember what it was. I know it used to be the uh, Wolves. San, San Antonio Rampage. Um <laughs> I believe it is the San Antonio Rampage. Is it? I'm I'm ninety five percent sure. I know they used to be with the I, I Wolves. Be, you know, honestly, I'd believe you. But I think like, I think the Vegas Golden Knights took the Wolves. And like <laughs> I thought San Antonio was with the Avalanche. Yeah, no, San Antonio Rampage, you're right. Okay, it is. Um but anyway, this year with the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, he had did good old Joss Hosang, Mary Lemieux fan. Had ten points in sixteen games, not terrible. And in one game with the Rampage, he already has a goal. But he requested a trade, didn't really work out. He then you suggested maybe there could be some connection to the Parise trade. We haven't heard anything about it, but anyway, he ended up reporting. He's played well since, and now he's going to play with the San Antonio. Yeah, it really Rampage. did not turn out well for Josh Hosang. There's obviously issues that came out, and I think that really screwed him over. Yeah. And I don't think things were really getting better either. I, I wish things worked out for him because I can imagine he would have imagine it would have gone well. Like it's not like he wasn't skilled. No, and even he, he doesn't have a lot of in 53 current NHL games, 24 points. You look at 2017, 18, 22 games, 12 points. Yeah. I don't know why he never got a complete shot there. I get your attitude. I and I don't even how much how much do we know? The guy's twenty four now. A few years ago, twenty two years old. Yeah. I think it it re- and I don't think we, we realized this at the time is the fact that he went through waivers and didn't get claimed and he's making no money. Like he's I, I don't know I don't think he's making that much. That has to say a lot to, to the to not only the fans but just himself. Like man, like 
you went through waivers. You're a former first-round pick. You're only 24. I, I was surprised that no one took him. I wonder if they're worried about issue, about other issues. I just I really think a team could have took, taken a chance on him. I w- there must be something else there that we don't know. No, exactly. He is an RFA this year. He has arbitration rights and he makes 874 grand. By the way, there's nothing quite like going onto the Islanders cat friendly page and realizing they're still paying Rick Pietro. Oh my god. Exactly. <laughs> So I just want to finish off. Is talking that for the about, end of time? I think it's like twenty twenty nine or something. But they have zero. Oh my god! What is this? what is wrong with the salary cap in this league? Can we just for thirty seconds how ridiculous the salary cap is? Sure, it's a joke. He, they're paying him zero dollar. It, it the cap it is zero dollars until twenty twenty eight twenty nine. But the the cap the cost is one and a half million dollars. Good for him, by the way. He signed a 15-year contract. I'm, I want his agent whenever I'm at a certain point in my life. What is this? Uh, Mike Milbury. What? How? And then the best, the best part about the salary cap is the Shea Weber deal, and the there's one more deal that that was just talked about, uh, the Zach Parise deal. If uh, if he he were to retire or uh, retire, it'd be an absolute mess. Like there'd be like twenty million. There's a against scenario. The sal- the sal- where, yeah, yeah, like twenty four million. How do the, you have this happen? It wouldn't. It wouldn't. They would. They 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 definitely manipulate it. Say, yes, uh, we'll figure it out. Which is first of all a joke. Well, Let how it- about you just don't put teams in a situation like that? The reason it's like that is because of the recapture penalty. Is there a part of you that would? That would really actually want to see the $24 million yes, cap penalty because it would yes. just be pure chaos. I think they say, I don't think we're going to compete this year. I think we'd have, at that point, 31 NHL teams for the year because we'd have 32 with or, Seattle. Or you take that cap, you take that $24 million, And? You take it away because it's kind of like a penalty to the Preds and then you move it to Quebec City. For a discount. So what you're saying is because the team, because um, the Philadelphia Flyers sent an offer sheet to Shea Weber and the Nashville Predators had to or wanted to resign him. So they, 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 whatever, they gave him the same contract. We're going to, we're going to put a team in Quebec City. Isn't it funny that that same player ended up becoming the captain of the Habs? It was all in the works. Is all I'm saying. I don't think that's that's get your that w- I don't think hats I don't think it's that's gonna be a while till we see a team in. Oh, I'm Quebec just trying City. to keep up blind. Even hope. though even though they have an arena. So yeah, that's the funniest. The video transfer. It looks beautiful. It's right there. I've I've drove I've driven past it. It looks phenomenal. I just find it a little funny that they have a um, an arena. Yeah, and they. They're not going to give them a team. And huge HMHL teams are playing in there. Oh, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know what the attendance is, like how, how much it can fill. Oh, I'm sure they would fill it, no problem. So, by the way, shout out to, yeah. um, I think it's the Ramparts. They played Ramuski a few weeks ago. One, and then Ramuski won like 11-1. Yeah. Where are you telling me about uh, yeah, it? Alexis Lafreniere yeah. had like a million points. I put the game on because it was on Sportsnet and realized, oh, wait, the team that Lafreniere is currently picking apart is head coached by... Patrick Wall. It's like, oh, yeah. that's tough, man. Uh, we'll finish off the Islander, Islanders here. 
on this extended episode ep- edition of the Power Hour. Per Elliot Thirty One Thoughts Friedman, friend of the show of Thirty One Thoughts, the podcast, the blog, and of course, Hockey Night in Canada. I said that already, didn't I? No, I didn't. Okay, the best one for last, and our friend. On the Parisi deal, this is from 31 Thoughts, the blog, as well as the podcast, this mix of information here, Alex. So apparently this Parisi deal, which was Sarah Valley of TSN originally reported that there was a possibility that this trade could happen, was going to be some sort of package where going to the Islanders would have been Zach Parise. Yeah. And somehow they were trying to also get Miku Koivu to come. Of course, yeah, Koivu, we knew for a couple weeks, didn't want to waive his no-move clause. Apparently, Ladd was going to be one of the Islanders' assets, if you can call it, going the other way to the wild. He also waived his no trade. And Kiefer Bellows, right? And Kiefer Bellows was mysteriously called up for eight games. Three points in eight games as a 21-year-old. Decent job, of course. Uh, 19th overall in 2016 was Kiefer Bellows. Another great name. So, Paul Fenton was apparently approached for this deal. Said No. Well, I, I'd understand why. I mean, you look at the situation in Minnesota, and apparently, I didn't realize this, but everyone loves Zach Parise. Everyone. He is apparently the favorite player in Minnesota by the fans. And that's why Lou loved him so much. Like, sorry, that's why Lou was thinking of bringing him in, because apparently he just so has so much time for Parise. Well, there's the New Jersey connection. Yes, of course. I forgot about that because I was so long. Remember when he was a devil? No, I don't. I, I think it's it's a very tough situation because you either you you fracture your locker room and your fan base or you get rid of a deal that has only just hit its halfway point. And I think the, the, the problem with Paul Fenton or when he was, man, was GM is that the team didn't know what direction they were going in. Right? You still didn't know. Okay, are we rebuilding? Are we, are we, uh, tearing it down? You know, the Zuccarello signing says it all. They yeah. had no idea what they were doing. Um, but I think now with, now with uh, Bill Guerin, I think there's there's a little more of an idea that they're willing to trade. Uh, they're willing to trade Dumba and or Brodeen, obviously, for the right price. They traded Jason Zucker. You know, I think there's there's more of an opening for a rebuild here. Yes. So I'm not surprised that there was more interest in the Zach Parise deal this time around than last year. Uh, also, I feel bad because I forgot to mention one thing that Freeman also mentioned on the podcast. A lot of this info as well comes from Michael Russo of The Athletic, who I don't think there has been a reporter in the past year and a half, or I would say like that, that has had a better run. As Friedman says, nothing happens in Minnesota without Michael Russo knowing it. If you're a reporter, I think that's... I think you're doing a good job there. That is is peak reporting right there. If uh, someone like Elliot Friedman says that nothing happens with an NHL team without you knowing it. Oh, and uh, oh, by the way, um, from the Islanders' point of view... This would have been terrible if it happened. <laughs> Giving up Kiefer Bellows. Parisa, yeah, can get you 20 goals, but he has six years left. And he's old. He's on the on very much on the wrong side Here's of 30. Here's the thing for me. Is, I, I, I think, yeah, for sure it's bad, but from Lou's mindset, 
is that he the team is in win now mode essentially the team is in win now mode and Andrew Ladd really isn't contributing anything really is not no and I get I think he has two more years after this left on his deal but wouldn't you rather have someone who can contribute now when your team is in win now mode from his perspective that's that's what I'm guessing is and also it's another player to have in the locker room that you know that you trust that you know can do can I, I'm guessing has some type of asset outside of hockey as well outside of actually playing lad has four years left four years left okay yeah close enough yeah, yeah. no you're you're right and they're a team that it wouldn't hurt to get more some more uh, offensive ability in there and I don't think giving up Kiefer bellows yes it's a big deal I don't think it's a big it's as big of a deal for them they have Oliver War, uh, Wallstrom. That probably helps right? a lot. That ha- that definitely helps a lot. So, there's your replacement for Kiefer Bellows, essentially. So, I, I, I yes, I do think that it would be bad, a, a bad move moving forward. But, I think Lou would rather have someone who has a high cap hit, but somewhat... Produce, somewhat produces and there's also the whole salary cap retention right dealing with the signing bonuses and etc and etc so there was there was something to be worked out there where okay Zach Parise has like a seven and a half million uh, dollar cap at something around there probably wouldn't end up around there I, I imagine uh, Minnesota would retain some some type of salary also a really underrated part of this would be, if I'm making noise about the contract, is there someone in this league that's better at getting out from under terrible deals? Lou Lamorello. Than the Godfather. Lou Lamorello. Lou Lamorello. No one. No one better than Oh, well, Gary, how about instead of giving me that, you give me uh, three first-rounders and... Uh, and, and Tavares comes back. Yeah. Magically, somehow. Scott Stevens. Somehow he comes back. Yes. I'm. You know what? We're, since you're talking about Lou, I'm interested. Ooh. I'm very interested. Very interested to see how he handles the Barzell negotiation. Oh, I, it's, it's probably one of the biggest storylines of the summer. If he's not there day one of camp, he's getting traded. You That's think? For sure. That's what would have happened in Toronto. Or that's what everyone told me would happen if we had Lou instead of soft general manager Kyle Dubis. Okay? Let me lift my glasses up. Okay? Can't have can't have this analytical mumbo jumbo. All these numbers and such. Too many numbers. Alex, I think it's time for fighting to be gone for the game. Oh, is it my time? Is it time? Yes. Should I say it? Yep. Should I say it? Yep. It's science, Adam. It's science. Science. I can't even say it anymore. Because uh, last week, February 25th is this tweet, the tweet of the video. Uh, Kale Casey from the Hershey Bears, I believe that is... Washington. Washington's affiliate, 
Not entirely sure who he was fighting. Oh, I believe that looks like the Charlotte Checkers, but I'm not 100% sure. Got knocked out. Knocked out UFC style. Out cold on a stretcher. After a fight. Echoes of when... when I believe it was a Montreal-Toronto game when at the time he was a hab. I believe it was his last professional year. Current head of player safety, George Peros, got oh. in a fight. And he fell back, hit his head off the ice, and there was just this picture of him. And he, he's he's out of it. Yeah. Cooley doesn't know where he is. Who is he fighting? Is it Colton R? Just, I don't know. I'll, I'll try and okay. find it, but it's... Isn't that concerning at all? Like to the, uh, this is to the people out there, who, who wa- who watch hockey for the fighting. Because I know there's people out there who do that, for sure. There's people who watch it for the fighting and for the, the big hits. It was Colton Orr, by the way. It was Colton Orr. Thank you. How do you sit there? The, okay, Adam, I'm gonna ask you a question. What is the point? What what's the goal of hockey? To score goals and win. To get pucks deep, put pucks in the net. <laughs> cycle, cycle right. around. Cycle the puck. Four lines, three pairing. Help okay. out your goaltender. So there's no, there's no. When when you say that, I don't hear anything about. I I understand hitting. I'm very. I, I listen. I'm not Mister, Mister. Um, oh no, hitting. I'm fine with hitting. I yeah. just don't like hits to the head. There, there's science. Again, it's science. science. I'm I'm against fighting in hockey when it turns out like this. Listen, I wa- I'm not going to sit here and tell you I, I don't watch UFC. I watch UFC. I, I There's just people beating the crap out of each other. Kicking, knocking each other out with kicks. Right. I, it's it's definitely not healthy, but they signed up for it. Yes. They they signed up for it. When you when you play hockey, you, I don't believe you're signing up to beat the crap out of each other. I believe that's a different sport. Yeah, it's called mixed martial arts and boxing. You know when I know that you're about to really get into something here. Tell me. If you look at the table and I look at your water bottle, and it's like, uh, it's Shaking. like in that scene in Jurassic Park. <laughs> When the T-Rex comes, boom, the like, water. Like, isn't that in, an issue? Your water bottle is shaking. No, it, it is. It it's is. a major issue. It's it's at the point where, we, yeah, it's, I think we forget about that. We made a big deal of the, as we should have, about the Cassian, you know. Kicking. Kicking thing, blade on your foot, right? But at the same time, you're you're not already, are you fighting? You're fighting on ice. <laughs> like, that, yeah, it, that's not that's bad enough. That's another thing. One bad slip, Alex, and... Like that's you a saw hard it. surface. It is. That's a hard surface. And and the thing for me is is I look at okay, the next generation of people. Like last night was the was the last game that was like the Leafs next gen game. They have these next generation games. And a lot of the advertisement is obviously towards kids. And they you know, they have the 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 videos on the Jumbotron. And usually there's they obviously have the history, so they show like Ty Domi, they show Wendell Clark hitting, but this one is very different. The one they showed last night was very different, and I and it really proves to me what the next generation of fans are looking for. And I understand, you know, they talk about it on Hockey Central all the time. It's obviously it's all about the details, but it's all about the details, but. 
there's a difference between it's all about the details and it's all about beating the crap out of each other. They're they're promoting the next generation. They're very much promoting skill over fighting, and and I think it fine. It's like it finally caught up to the NHL. When you watch highlights of NFL, like they're promoting it, I I, I re- maybe a couple times I see a major hit. Most of it are insane catches or throws a uh, hundred yards or whatever. Trick plays, right? All that. Yeah, NBA dunks. Um, crazy passes, whatever, like ankle breakers, right? So it's not like taking a taking a shot, like not taking a foul, like whatever it's called. Name's not coming to me right now. Like the other sports have finally caught up to it, and they're sorry, they're finally catching up to the other sports and how they need to produce the next generation of fans. The only physical. Highlight I can really remember seeing on the highlight hit like you know, plays of the week and all that. It's probably when you know Dustin Bufflin is manhandling two people, but he's not punching them in the face. He's literally just dragging two grown men across the ice Off out of, of a scrum, right? Which is uh, incredible, right? But that's different. Like I'm not I, for me it's I don't want to sit there and watch people beat the crap out of each other to the point that when one guy falls, he hits his head on the ice and that's it. Yeah, like that. Brain again. It's science. science. It's brain damage. It's uh, I. I I wonder how long, how far away we are. Well, they were talking about it on on, uh, Steve on the SDP. They're talking about it that they're going backwards, and they said, okay, this is what we want the game to be. But now they're trying. There all these lack of suspensions or suspensions that aren't being given properly. It feels like they're going back to what. It, it, they're not going back to the two thousands or the nineties, but they're going backwards in the direction of okay, we're going to allow this, this, and this, even though science tells us this, this, and this are bad. Cross check to the face to someone who's a foot uh, shorter than you, elbows and all that kind of stuff. It's uh. It, uh it's yeah, it's science. It's it's injuries, and they're just not doing anything about it. But we'll talk about, I guess, one last injury really on the front here, and that's Stephen Stamkos, Tampa Bay Lightning. He will be out for I believe it was eight weeks, and the way Chris Johnson said it on headlines the other day was, he'll be out till the end of the first round mm. in a best case scenario, surgical for a, a, sorry a surgery for a key muscle, chest muscle or something like that. Now, Steven no and Stamkos has been healthy for the past few years. Yeah, and he was sitting out games apparently about this. So it was for, he was playing through it for a bit, and then he sat out. Which thank God we don't see that very often. That's true. You make a good point. Now it, it looks more and more likely that Tampa are going to play Toronto in the first uh, in the first round, right? Yeah. Wow, uh, I it was one nothing because we have the Rangers Philly game on. I remember right away Philly made it one nothing. We just I just saw Alex like his jaw dropped. I turned around. It's four nothing Flyers. Henrik Lundqvist, the poor man, is in net. My dear God, fourteen goals, fourteen uh, shots, four goals against. Oh my dear God. Anyway though, it looks more and more likely that it will be a Tampa Toronto first round. Yeah, which is scary enough. Now I want you to think about. Is it really that big a blow for them to no. lose Steven Stamkos? No. They literally just brought in two what for them are depth players in Blake Coleman and Barkley Goodrow. 
those obviously we talked about those moves are essentially for next year yes. and they have to get rid of a couple players yes this move is literally does nothing like they're still a crazy team I would honestly I wouldn't be surprised even with this injury if they I mean I don't know if they can pass Boston because Boston's kind of really pushing it at this point they are seven points ahead with a game in hand well with Tampa has a game in hand Damn, that happened quick. Yeah. Remember when they were, like, just two points behind? God, Boston are brutal, right? Like, in a good way. Yeah. But, hey, Steven Stamkos... I, I don't think it has that much of an impact, and that's what the scary part is, is that they are going to still dominate. I just a last note. Uh, best recoveries to... Uh, best wishes to Steven Stamkos. Come course. back, buddy. Uh, you've been healthy the past couple of years, and you love to see it, right? Finally, we'll finish the power hour off with this, Alex. The GM meetings, we've got one coming up, and it looks like, again, from uh, Saturday Headline Talking Night in Canada, on the docket, we seem to have the e-bug, the emergency backup goalie, some more talks on that, offsides, and salary cap projections. Okay, can we save e-bug to the end? Because I kind of want to know your thoughts, because we never really talked about Sure. The whole situation. So, what did they say about the salary cap? Because I actually haven't seen. They literally just pointed out, like, oh. they're going to talk about e-bug, offsides. Oh, okay. That's and fine. then they said, for offsides, they said making the blue line more of a plane in, you know, the whole thing up. of. Yeah, yeah, I understand. Which yes. Makes, I don't know why that wasn't the case and, before. Yes, but. And, and salary cap, all they literally said was salary cap projections, and that was it. Awesome. Okay. So there has been a whole lot of talk about the e-bike situation, right? We know Brian Burke uh, doesn't really. Uh, there was a lot of people hating on him because. Can I can I say thoughts. one thing before we get into too much of the e-bike stuff? Okay. I've seen people starting to say that it's getting out of hand, like when he put his stick into the Hall of Fame, because I don't think hockey fan. I was thinking about this last night. Hockey fans aren't used to a story that's bigger than the NHL. Because the NHL is so small. Like, this guy was on Colbert. Yeah, I know. This guy is on late night talk shows. In the States. That's how big this this story is. It's bigger than the league itself. Right. So, I just want people to simmer down. I get, like, you're okay. seeing it. Because it's it's a big story. Because, of course, you're going to see it every time you go on Twitter and that. But this is literally bigger than the sport itself, people. We need this in the game. More exposure. Thought, right. Okay. I thought he wasn't the first E-Bot, or I guess... He's, he's not, but they're Jeff crediting Mayer. him to him. Yeah. It's actually... It, it was it was a it was guy... Against, it was Montreal against Toronto. He was, Yeah, and it was a Toronto guy uh, who had to go in name. for the Habs. It would, they talked about like three times on Hockey Central, and then once on 31 Thoughts. See, let me guess, Jeff Merrick brought it up. Twice, yeah. You know what's hilarious? Because I, of course, <laughs> after trade deadline, took a break from hockey. Yeah. I listened to 31 Thoughts. And I was thinking to myself, God, Merrick, I He's guarantee he brought this up on Hockey Central. Twice. I'll find the guy's name, but yeah, go on what you were going to say about no, the e stuff. For me, it's, it's, okay, I understand where Burke is coming from. Right, you heard, do you know what Brian Burke said? Did he say it was an embarrassment to the game or something? Mm-hmm. I yeah. understand his side from it. At the same time, I understand... Um, the story. The story is great. I don't think anyone's down... Here's here's the thing I think a lot of people are misunderstanding is the story is great. I think both of us can agree that the story is great. Absolutely phenomenal. Right? Yes. But the fact that... For me, it's concerning because it's Caroline and Toronto. 
the two points are very important. And imagine if it went the other way. That you know that that, that does make sense because because then the story becomes a Leafs employee gets shelled and the Leafs get two massive points right. in, and it's a completely different story. Correct. So, imagine okay. Imagine even if it wasn't a Toronto employee, it's just Scott Foster. Scott Foster played two periods. Was and it even that much? Oh, no, sorry, no, you're no, saying, no, 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 I'm, no, no imagine, sorry, yeah, yeah, saying, yeah, It doesn't necessarily have to be a Toronto guy. The story is great. The story in Toronto, the story is the Tor- a Toronto guy went. Net. But I think the, the story outside of Toronto is that an emergency backup goalie won a game. In the U.S., for sure. Is it not concerning for you that they don't have a better system in place for, for them? I'm asking you. I get the story's great. Yeah. But if Montreal was in the same situation and you guys missed by two points I'd or by infuriated. a point, right? I'd be. I would be. I would quit the show. Right. No, no, so it, it is. I get the story's great, but at the same time, the get you have to look at the game like this can't happen again. You know, it's interesting because, of course, before this became an issue, it wasn't one, and we've never thought about it before. Because, let's right. be honest, Scott Foster was fun, but, again, it was the Jets and the Blackhawks. And he played, like, five, ten minutes. Yes. He did make saves, but it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, the Blackhawks were clearly out of it. The, um, the Jets were the only team in the Central that were actually, you know, set to make a spot at that point. Sure, they were one of... The Central was just so set, those top three teams of the playing. Like, the Jets were fine. They were making it. And then, of course, in the mecca of hockey world... Of the hockey news that happened wrong, what happened, you know, and 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 in the situation. Sorry, I'm saying it a lot, but it happened. Yeah, so there does need to be a much better system in place. Okay. A hundred percent. Go get a Ryerson goalie. I so apparently there was a they Second have a they have goalie. a Ryerson UFT and York goalie. Um, you just on, need the Ryerson on ros- one on roster. You Not just need roster. the Ryerson. Yeah, of course. You just you, like. But apparently they were all two of them were in playoff games and the uh, York one was unavailable. I think something like that. I think well, I think the Ryerson ones available because I think they lost in the second round again. I'm honestly not entirely sure. I think I, I think Daniel wrote it like the second year curse got them again, or is it? Donald. It was one of them. One of them. Someone wrote a story about how Ryrie something lost. Someone we know wrote a story. Yeah. But okay. by the way, Daniel is going to be big, in yeah, my he's opinion. He's going to hit it big. He's going to be big. You know, when you know for a fact someone's going to be big, is how we never see Daniel because he's always so busy. Just a quick <laughs> thing. True. Like, Daniel's going to be. I hope he's listening to this episode. Like, Daniel's. He's going to be big one day. He's going to be big. He's going to be famous. I gar- I just. Best of luck to and Daniel. And we know a famous person. Yeah, we know a bunch of famous people. A couple. Yeah. A you saw someone here. famous at the game last night, didn't yeah, you? It was, it was so funny. Should I Tell us what tell happened, us Alex. Okay, so I went to the Leafs game. <laughs> I went to the Leafs game last night. and Against the Canucks, right? Against the Canucks. And I was I was uh, had my hot dog and gained some ketchup on it. So with my dad. And then I kind of look over to the elevator because, you know, the, the doors open. They makes that sound and I, my head just turns. <laughs> And I'm like, I recognize this guy. I'm like, I know this guy from somewhere. Like, don't know where he's from. And then I made eye, we made eye contact, and I kind of clued in on who he was. And it was Justin, uh, I think, Cuthbert from Yahoo Sports. 
and, and, and I kind of like just looked at him and then the doors closed. Now, of course. But I gave him the look that, man, you don't know me, but you do know my voice. And for those of you who missed our last episode, of course, or was it the episode before that, Alex? Wow. You, of course, got a clip onto Lee. Is it Lease Laugh Live? Live, live la- Live Laugh Leafs or yes. Live Laugh Leafs. I don't know. And uh, Mr. Cuthbert actually said that you have a very. They gave you comments saying you were a very good. You were level headed. You made a lot of sense. I was somehow level headed. Yeah. But when I came on the episode the next day. You were really hot last episode, by the way. The last two episodes, you were hot. Well, I'm sorry. When your team loses to a backup goalie, what do you make? Uh, not, ba- not, even, not even a backup goalie. Someone An who, emergency he backup He works goalie. at our university. He works at Ryerson. Which at, is incredible. Which someone had to remind me again Gary Gold brings it up. And I could feel the heat coming off of Alex. He was so mad. Oh, I want to hear it. I get it. I get it. Backup goalie. It, okay? Emergency backup Emergency goalie. Emergency backup goalie. I get goalie. it. I understand. Anyway, uh, do you have a read of the bye week? I do, and it's funny, funnily enough, it's about David Ayers. Well, more about his wife. It's from The Athletic. It is by Sean Shapiro. Free beers and screaming at strangers. Sarah Aries' life with husband's new fame. Oh, so I love. Uh, she was on Thirty One Thoughts, yes, the newest she was. episode, and she was a fantastic guest. I love okay, her. Okay, you just took out a notepad and are about to start a timer. I really don't want to know what's about to happen. It's time for a pop I quiz. I swear, is it about Star Wars? I don't know. I was gonna make it another Star Wars quiz, but okay, Alex. You do this to me every time, and you know I don't know Star Wars that well. So I'm gonna put a three-minute timer on, and you're three going minutes. to. I'm going to Are give you... you an essay question. To no, write. I'm not writing an essay. I just wrote an essay. You have so did I, sir. I have another midterm this week, by the way. The uh, okay, just know, tell Thursday. me what. Yeah, can I just say it out loud? So you have three the... minutes. Are you gonna talk during those three minutes? I'm going to tell a story in these three minutes, Alex. You have three minutes, and your question is, Alex. What is your favorite thing about me? Man, I'm not right doing this on the podcast. All right. Three. I put the two, notepad to the side. We're going to continue. One. That's <laughs> not a pop quiz. You know what, Alex? That was a very bad I'm pop sure quiz. Daniel would say something. Okay. Immediately shut down the pop quiz. Because it's not a quiz. It's an essay. Yeah. I'm not writing an essay. You ever had short answer? Yeah, but that's not short. Yeah, short answer and essays are not the same. Short answers are like... Four or five sentences, maybe. An essay is about three or four paragraphs. The biggest news out the oh, weekend, in my you. opinion, was from the New Jersey Devils. Yes. And, uh, well, sorry, not from New Jersey, from headlines on the New Jersey Devils. Despite the good job that uh, Scott Fitzgerald Tom. has done. Tom. Tom. All right, um, hold on a minute. I'm looking up who Scott Fitzgerald is because I keep saying his name. I don't even know name. who that is. Scott Fitzgerald. It sounds familiar. But. Scott Fitzgerald Francis Scott Key Fitzgerald was an American writer. His novels depicted the flamboyance and access of the jazz age. Yeah, you definitely don't know. You just kind of threw that name together. I sw- like, Maybe I've read something of his before? Maybe from an English class? The Great Gatsby? Is that what you read? Oh. I have not read The Great Gatsby, then but... I don't um, know what you've read. I mean, hey, anyway, we'll continue, though. So, from headlines, New Jersey Devils, despite the great job that Tom Fitzgerald has done as interim GM, they're still looking to uh, acquire, not acquire, to bring in a new general manager to replace Ray Shiro. And so far, we know that the first external candidate that they have actually went and interviewed, they will continue to do this over the summer, by the way, but first person they've externally interviewed is 
Mike Gillis. Funny enough, it was Friedman who reported this on headlines. Yeah. Who, of course, as we know, has apparently a close relationship with Mike Gillis. Does he? I didn't know that. Yeah, no, they've... Uh, Freeman's got crap for it before. It's the weirdest thing. Uh, everyone just forgets about Mike, uh, that Elliot Freeman is a legitimate, one of the best reporters in the business, but they're like, oh, Mike Gillis, because he's so such a controversial figure. Do you know who he is? He is the uncle of a professional hockey player. Could you tell me who that professional hockey player is? Can you tell me what team? Uh, the New York Islanders. Ooh, he's an uncle of someone on the island. What position? I can't tell you that. Um, they don't have a Gillis on their team, do they? No. Um, Eberle. No. Who? Adam Pellick. Really? Yes, sir. Ah, small world. Shows how your game isn't growing, that it's the same family bloodlines. But anyway, of course, this guy, Mike Gillis, for those of you that don't know, was a big part of those old Vancouver teams. A controversial figure. Apparently, he has been traveling around the world researching sports management. And I guess kind of finding himself. And I guess we've heard his name a little bit more over the past few years. So I wonder, and we'll talk about maybe some other people that could possibly take the job. What are your thoughts on Mike Gillis? I think it's an interesting route to go. I think there's a couple candidates that I would have rather, rather than choose or potentially choose. Uh, Number one is why don't you just keep... Tom Fitzgerald, like I, I think the work he's done so far. If you want, if you want to look at it that way, he's traded, um, he's traded Wayne Simmons. Yeah, somehow traded Sammy Vatnin. Great return, even though he was hurt. You don't see that very often. Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman. More than than uh, Shiro got for Taylor Hall. Controversial, but sure. Fact. Questionable, sure. but he's he's been good. I think it it's something they they should look at. Um, another name, how about Martin Brodeur? Apparently, he doesn't want it though. Okay, if he does want it, that's a guy I would look at. You know, he spent time in St. Louis, I believe, in ma- upper management. Yeah, for a bit. Moved to New Jersey in upper management. I think that's a route they might want to go. It's also a Devils legend. You know what worries me about Broder, though? Tell me. He's done work with Hockey Canada. And those guys, mm, it's a boys club. I know. Bill Peters is a Hockey Canada guy. Mike Babcock, a Hockey Canada guy. But are they part of the same group of people is the question. They're a very tight-knit group. They're notorious for that. I know, but at some point... You look at Martin Brodeur and say, okay, he's a le- devil's legend. Yeah. That would look very good. I'd rather see him behind the office than in more Enterprise commercials. That is true. Those are brutal. Oh, I agree, by the way, with Brian Burke saying that the cup should never be in a commercial. I 100% agree with that. Yeah. 100%. Do you have any other names, potentially, for the devil's uh, I had one as a joke because they picked a Vancouver guy, but... I can say it if you want. Yeah, I would love uh, Dave Notice. I almost put him on my list of guys, but thought, yeah, no. That, no I, I don't have any other names. No? Uh, then I'll read you mine, because I have quite a few. Okay. Um, Just because I, I would be amazed if this guy is still where he is come the summertime. Jason Bottrell of the Buffalo Sabres. Okay. I, I, I see where you're going. 
I don't know if that's the route they're going to go. Simply because he was put in a position to rebuild the team. And really has not done the greatest of jobs. Also, I think a big thing we should try and remember talking about all this is the Devils seem like an organization kind of like Carolina, that it won't be one guy, but it will be a committee. In what way? That, I don't... It, it, it's, it sounds like Shiro closed himself off at the end. We've heard from people like Friedman and Merrick on 31 Thoughts. And, um... Who is the analytics guy um, that they hired? Oh, boy. It's on the tip of my tongue. Of course. He's he's a beauty. I'll get it. Merrick loves talking Tyler to Dello. Him. Tyler Dello. You've got Tyler Dello, the weird relationship the analytics department needs to have with the Devils going directly to the owner. Sounds like the owner kind of likes to be involved. Sounds exactly like Carolina. I just think, I think a big part will have to be a guy who who is, is <clears throat> able to talk communicate. I think that's a big part of this. My second name, and we're going to talk about this guy a little later. Mark Bergevin. Wow. I did See, not think you were going to say that. We're going to talk about a big interview with him. And in this big wow. interview he had, he had members of the Canadians like um, public relation and me and uh, like law. Like, uh, sorry, the, the Canadians like media team, like head of that okay. and the head of their legal department with him for an interview. So I see that, I'm like, oh, oh dear. It's that serious now, are we? Oh, So Lord. I just, I think, I don't know. I'm just, I'm watching out for Mark Bergevin. I think he's a contradiction to what I just said about being open. Bergevin strikes me as a very, he's at, Bergevin used to be very friendly, and then he grew his beard out, and it's like, oh, crap. He's terrifying. Oh, that's, that's an interesting one. How about? Brian Burke. I don't know what? why I put Ray Shiro on this list. How about Brian Burke? No. I think, no. Uh, I have Dale Talon of uh, Florida because I think, uh, how long can he continue to have a chance in Florida? Because in the same year you give $70 million to a goaltender, all of a sudden they want to cut salary. I don't imagine that Dale mm. Talon will be around there much longer. I wonder, I, I like the idea I wonder if Florida pushes the button on getting rid of Dale Talon mm -hmm. because what does that do? And he's a great coach, but what does that do with Jill Quadville? That's you true. You bring your guy in. You br Dale Talon brings his guy in first year, and you fire the general manager. It's not first year. Joe Quenville. Oh, sorry. No, I thought you meant Talon. No, no. Talon's no, been there no, for years. No, no. I know. Joe Quenville, this is first year. Yes. Right? What does that mean for him? Because general managers always like to bring in their own coach. I think it's different with Quinville because it's 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 Joel Quinville. Isn't he the second winning this coach in history? I'm not entirely sure. I can find out. And he has three cups. I think that just speaks for itself more about Quinville. I think he's. I think it's different from let's say a uh, a Bruce Boudreau who somehow survived. Up to his third GM in that, so... In that second most wins. Second most wins. How far is he behind Bowman? I'll tell you. Give me 30 seconds. But it, it's just... It's it's funny to me. That I, 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 so it's not funny. I, I just think it's a different situation. Uh, 321 games. 320 behind Scotty Bowman. Yeah. That's incredible. How about... This is a guy we always hear about. L.A. Mike Fuda. For a guy who I hear his name a lot, I know nothing about this dude. Neither do I. But you look at what L.A. has done 
with their farm system, the draft picks, and all that, I think Mike Fuda would be a nice little addition. I, yeah. I don't mind that. How about we're Mark watching Hunter. them play? How about Mark Hunter? I'm just throwing names out I here thought of Mark Hunter and like, no. no. How about we're That's watching... That's why he's in the NHL GM, right? No, he's not. Go, go oh, back to oh, London. Oh, sorry, I forgot. Go back to That's London where you're, telling me. Where you're illegally drafting teenagers in, in the OHL. I forgot. You know, Allegedly. everyone's been telling me that he's an NHL GM. I must have been mistaken. How about we're watching his, his old team play right now. Imagine if you didn't have... Instead of a meddling owner understanding one, a group committee, Ron Hextall. You don't have a pushy ownership like, like, like New Jersey doesn't seem like it has a you terrible ownership, but they're just they're involved. And Ron Hextall. I don't mind that. You don't? I don't mind that at all. I think Ron Hextall's only issue in in Philadelphia was that he didn't bring up Carter Hart. Other than that, I have no issues with what he what he did. So we talk about. I don't think I do. A partnership. This is a guy who has stepped aside as a GM and has worked closely with Vegas and Kelly McCrimmon. And if Vegas were to win this year, what if George McPhee got another shot at starting another team? I don't think so. I I, I think he stays in in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see why he would want to move. My last name then. And I, I think I went, I've gone outside the box for this. And I think for New Jersey to pull this off, they need to fork out the cash. Because oh. the team you're trying to take this guy from is going to match your offer no matter what. I think I know who you're talking about. Just, oh, I, Former member of the Canucks and the Arizona Coyotes, okay. Lawrence Gilman. Oh, I like I I think it really, it really goes with the... You know, you bring in Tyler Dello, I think it kind of goes that way, what he's doing with Dubas. I don't know if Gilman is the one, uh, if he runs the AHL team, or if that's Brandon Pridham. But I, I, I like that move either way. I don't think it's going to happen because Toronto's just going to throw ridiculous the, money Yeah, the, that's the thing. Vegas, ha- sorry, not Vegas, New Jersey have to be willing to fork out the cash for it. But I don't think that's going to happen. It's, it, it is... A lot of those guys we just mentioned were previous GMs, but Gilman yeah. so is Gilman, definitely... So Gilman runs, is the general manager of the Marlies. And for anyone saying, what are the Marlies? Um, they just lost everything. They lost their head coach and all their players. That is, that is right. You say that, and I and I guess maybe we'll bring it up in the next part when, I talk, when we talk about Toronto. But I think that's a thing that a lot of people aren't talking about. Is yeah okay the Marlies aren't doing as well as they have been, but think about over the last two years they've literally lost everyone. Yeah, but hey, New Jersey, Lawrence Gilman. I think even if yeah like you maybe not gonna happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if there were whispers. Oh for sure. Because of course I think there there's obviously the attractiveness of Toronto. But remember when Colorado were poking at Dubis. It sounds like Dubas, if he had given, if um, Lou had given him permission, there's a legit chance that he could have gone because what people need to remember is it's still a job. Let's but then just be again, clear. It wasn't Lou making that decision. It's very clearly that it was Brendan Shanahan making sorry. that decision. I'm just magic. Okay, then that's my mistake. No, no, it's fine. It's... But 
at the same time, it's, yeah, hello, I'm Toronto. Would you like $20 million? Right. They're, you see, the Raptors just want a deep playoff run. Else. So MLSC has a few extra million dollars to throw around. Exactly. Uh, are we good with the New Jersey side of things? Sure. Shall All we right. just get to Toronto? Because I don't have a lot to talk you about. You don't have a lot? All right, good, because there's a lot of Mark Bergevin that we can uh, pick apart here. Okay, so the since... Okay, Wednesday, I we didn't really talk a whole lot because I wasn't in a good mood. But let's talk about it's been a week since or just over a week since the Leafs lost to a backup goalie. Ryerson's own. Ryerson's own David Aries. David Aries. Great guy. They're since gone three and Are you surprised by that? No. I'm not. No. They are missing, uh, still missing Riley. Now, since I believe they played Tampa on Tuesday, uh, Muzzin is now out four weeks. I forgot that. How did we for? What's happened? Muzzin is out four weeks. Uh, floor. So they 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 have pretty much half of more than half of their <laughs> more than half of their AHL Calder Cup winning roster, defense core. Sorry. That's very concerning in so many ways. In so many ways. <laughs> I didn't know when to mention this. Martin Marincin scored a freaking <laughs> You knew goal where I was going. Like, Martin Marincin. Magic hand Marty. Was it the game winner? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> see, I haven't watched it. I'm going to find it right now. He looks so surprised. I did. I mean, I was surprised when you texted me and told... I didn't believe it. Like, Marmaritson did not score. So, there's been a couple... As you're looking for the video, I'll continue talking. There's been a couple players who have really stood out. One being Zach Hyman. Obviously. I, I want to apologize to him because I called him the poor man's Brandon Gallagher. But uh, that's a good player. He's a good player. He, he, I don't know how how far away he is from Brendan Gallagher. I don't think he puts up the same he puts up the same amount of points as Brendan Gallagher. But they have a very similar style. He's a dick to play against. Yeah, and he works hard. Yeah, Mike Babcock, I guess, was right for the last four years. One thing he was right about. Um, do you have the goal up? Uh, Are you watching? I've got the highlights. Okay, so. Another player is obviously, I think, the last three games, well, more than the last three games, but Austin Matthews has looked really good. Like, I think his two-way play has improved since Keith has come in. I can tell you by your face that you just saw the goal. How, do you see his face? <laughs> so, so, Marty's, like, leading the rush here. For some There's reason, three he, hurricanes, yeah. gets his own. I don't know what was Demko doing. Yeah, he's got... He's, he goes, what? He's like, I don't... What did I just do? <laughs> Everyone's so surprised. There's some guy wearing a Tavares jersey. He's he, he, he's shocked. He didn't believe it happened. What went... First of all, why is he... Why did he go? What, I, what's, I, I <laughs> he said, screw it. I love... Where was Markstrom? What was Markstrom doing there? Markstrom... It's Demko. Markstrom, Demko, Mar- sorry. Markstrom's yeah, Dem- injured. Yeah. First of all, yeah. Oh, it went off the post. That's why he was just... Oh, that's yeah. tough. You'd like to have... And that was the game winner. Yes. Good for him. Uh, Matthews has been good. Matthews has been good. 
Um, one player that they, they, they really need to send down, and it really sucks, is Timothy Lilligren. It, it, it's not worth playing him five, five, six, seven minutes a night. I'd rather you know, and and I get now you're kind of in a pinch here, because you you don't have Muzzin and you don't have Riley. You're playing Calais Rosen. Why don't you bring someone? Like there has to be someone in the AHL that that can kind of just be a stopgap and like, I you have to play. I think it would be very important that Lilligren plays 20 minutes, 25 minutes a night for the Marlies and leads them for that stri- for that last stretch of the season, even if they don't make the playoffs. And people need to remember, because this is Toronto, he's going to get more attention. Timothy Lilligren in April will only turn 21 years old. I know, and it feels like it's been forever. Yeah. It feels like it's been forever. Another member of that very strange 2017 draft where he was supposed to be very high and then had mono. Yeah. And it really just hasn't gone the way that I think a lot of Leaf fans are hoping for. Because what happened was, is he was supposed to go top five. Mm -hmm. He got mono and Leafs picked him at 17, I think. Yes. So... Everyone's like, oh, man, we just got a top five pick at number 17 because he had mono. But it really didn't go that way. Uh, he was. I just realized he was born the same year as me. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Alex, I'm old. Only a year older than you. But. Yeah. And, and that's one guy I think you want. Why don't you send to the AHL? The, contra- the whole contract thing really isn't that big of a deal for him because his contract's already kicked in. So... Play him in the AHL. Hopefully, and I think this will be the case next year. It's going to be a little bit easier to e- it'll be easier, sorry, to ease him into the Leafs' bottom pairing because I think you'll have more of a structure in who the hell is going to play on this team. You right? also you- won't have the like the season-ending rush for the playoffs that the Leafs are having now. Right, a full season under Keith. Hopefully, a full, not even just a full season, just a full training camp. That's it. If the team had the full training camp, I think it'd be a very different story. And you know, next year's Leafs are going to be better. Looking Hopefully. at the summer, what do the Leafs do? Okay, so here's my thing. Remember last couple episodes, I've been saying this team is fooling us. Yes, I'm still on that. Still on that bandwagon. They're a playoff team, but. Barely, Are they a contender? Barely a playoff team right now. The, the last three games, last night, there was... Do you know what their problem is? Is they give the puck up so much. There's so many turnovers that can be avoided. The defensive end of the game is still a concern. Is still a problem. Is still a problem for this team. But the difference the last three games is that they look like they care. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that my opinion has changed. They have to prove it to me. I mean, the next three games are in uh, California, so they're late games this week. Will you Will you be watching? Do you have any more midterms? No, so, but I have a lot of assignments. So, so I have to get that. Yeah. So I'm going to try to watch it. Like, I'm going to watch the Thursday night game because I don't have class on Friday. I, might, I don't think I'm going to watch Tuesday's game because I have class in the morning. On Wednesday, and I'll try to watch Friday's game. So I'm gonna try to get at least two of them. 
I like this team to continue looking like they care. Because three games, I'm sorry, is not proving it to me. Three games is a minimum. You have to prove to me that you that you care. You're not, you're, and it's not just um, some. It's a, it's not a hobby. Like this is your job. And another thing with this team is that it's it's every it's for them. It looks like every single thing has to be perfect. It doesn't. That extra pass yeah, highlight. I reel. saw it so much last night, and I saw there was like three opportunities. For Marner to shoot, and he didn't shoot. He passed, and then he shot once, and the guy behind me said, "Man, Marner should have passed." I'm like, "Bro, I can't do this anymore." But he passes enough. Let him take a shot. Yeah, like I get it. You know, he puts him. He the thing with the with someone like Marner is he puts himself in position positions to shoot, because all the players know that he's going to pass. And then like you get surprised. What game was it? That went to OT, maybe uh, Ottawa, Ottawa, where he got the one timer, or was that? No, he had a full open lane. Was it Anaheim then, or there was a game? Was it when he he everyone thought he was gonna pass and he just one time? Oh, you're right, scored. it was Anaheim because you texted me saying Tavares is gonna score an OT because he was on a mission. Yeah, that those last that stretch of games, he was on a mission. That man. That's the thing. The rest of the season. Every single player on this team needs to be on a mission because every. Because no. so for for those of you who don't know, my water bottle is leaking. Oh. So it's like leaked all over me. If you ever had like Alex Randomly laugh, it's because of that. And I have like tissues around it, and the hole of where the water is leaking is getting bigger and bigger. When and it's very difficult to do this podcast for an hour and a half without yeah. drinking water. So the thing with this team. Is that I want every single player to look like they're on a mission. I want Matthews to and Tavares to look like they're on a mission to score fifty goals. I want Capitan uh, and Hyman get. I, you don't have to get pucks deep. I just want you to look. You want to get the puck and you want to get it to someone else, right? Like look like you have a job to do. Look like your life depends on it, because. Right, the lot obviously before these three games, it did not look like that at all. That's why I the three games are great, but I've seen this before, and I can't I can't keep sitting. Okay, at the end, listen, at the end of the day, this is my team. Like it's not like they can do anything to change that. I can see three different, four different things of Leafs, five different things of Leafs. And this is just the start. You should see my room. In your basement. I see a jersey, a water bottle, a picture, a little statue thing, and a puck. And the All coins. Leafs. And the coins? All true six things. Six things of Leafs things in your basement. I'm I'm criticizing the team because I love them. Yes. Right? You criticize Montreal because you love them. I defend them at points I shouldn't because I love them. Right, exactly. I defend Nylander because I love him. And he's actually good. And he's actually good. He's clutch. This three game, these three games are great. It proves to they weren't perfect games. By far, they were not perfect games at all. Last night, a million turnovers. Uh, Thursday was that they started poorly, and it just it got better. Freddie wasn't on his game. Tuesday. They played. I thought they played okay. I don't think I got to watch the entire game, but I think they played okay. I know for a fact that they can have a very good, perfect game because I've seen it before. All I want is that they play a good game 
Because even if they play a good game, they can beat most of the teams in the league. Yes. And I and they need to turn it on at certain points. And I feel like they lack that sometimes. That's the problem for me. And so going back to your question about the summer, because I feel like I've avoided it. Yes. If they make the playoffs and collapse, like collapse, like David Aries is in net collapse, someone big has to be traded because it sends a message. Not because they need to be traded. I think the team is still a little bit immature. It seems like they don't understand the consequences. I think the message needs to be sent. And it can't be a Janssen Kapanen or Kerfoot that's going to be traded. I think it needs to be someone with a little bigger um, pay payday. Mm-hmm. And that would probably happen after July 1st cause, because the bonuses. So Nylander Dumba is going to happen. I don't know. I still don't think Dumba's the right fit for this team, but that's fine. Well, I really hope Nylander doesn't get dealt. Neither do I. I don't think Dubas wants to move Nylander. We can and we will. But if this team, let's say, get wins the first round and gets and and loses against Boston, let's just they they look like they care. You know, they they get to Game Seven or whatever, and, and something happens. Bad luck. I don't know then you work with the team that you have because you know that this team can be consistent. And if you start next year playing like that, like that whatever crap again, you trade someone. Yes. So I think at this point, they're, I think their front, their forward core is pretty set for the most part. Like I think Spezza is going to come back. Um, I think Mikhaev will probably come back. There's players that will come back. Maybe you see a couple additions from the Marlies, and then the Marlies will essentially get replenished with whoever. What needs to be restructured is the defense, because right now you have Riley, Sandine, Muzzin, and Liljegren, and Hall. That's your 5D next year. You still have to re-sign Dermot. Which, if you, want if you re-sign Dermot, you could potentially package him in a trade with someone. I don't know if I because right now, I I don't know what they do with the top pair with Riley. Because I, I Muzzin plays with Hall, which has looked good at points in the season. It, it's been a little messy late since he got the contract, and your bottom pairing is essentially Sandine and Liljegren. I think they've looked good together at points. I think the way Sandine is developing, hopefully by the beginning of next year, he's that he can play as a sixth defenseman. Now, who do you play with Riley? Someone who can play defense, hopefully. Somewhat. And I don't think Dumba's that guy. I know he's not a righty, but... Jonas Brodeen is one of those few guys we hear about that is a real defenseman. If he is willing to play on the right, because I know Riley isn't, or isn't good at it, if he can play on the right, I'm more than happy to bring him in. I wouldn't be surprised if they make some money move and they bring in um, bring in a defenseman in free agency. Obviously not Alex Petrangelo. For me, I look at someone like Travis Hamannick, 
who can play defense. Carl Olsner is available. No. If he can play, please stop suggesting that to me. <laughs> uh, if, if, if he doesn't resign with Calgary, I think that's a potential move you look at or a TJ Brody, if you can afford it. But I think moving forward, I think that's kind of the summer I look for them to look for them to have. You know who I think has a bright future? Uh, Cole Caulfield. I was just going to say Pierre Engvall because I really like that player. But Cole Caulfield. Yeah. So Mark Bergevin, first of all, trade deadline, he did a 40-minute press conference. and He was very flustered. So then later on, he does an interview. question. Yes. Did he say his famous two lines? Oh, my God. There is a... We'll get to it. And then he also did, he sat down with Matthias Brunette of La Presse and did an, this was before the Rangers game last week. And one of the big parts of this article, he talks about first coming to Montreal, his tenure with the team, his, what he calls his, the first act of his career here. Which the first five year plan? Yeah, uh, which is just infuriating to him and how f- he is going to stay faithful to his plan. And yes, there is a part of this article where he does say, listen to this, quote, this is all translated, by the way, despite his desire to keep the team competitive, he never traded a first round pick or top hopes for a faster result. Quote, I will not make a short term decision to look good and hurt the team in the long term. Maybe it will cost you my job, but I have too much respect for the organization. End quote. Okay, can you just humor me here? Yeah. What? Um, what year did Mark Bergevin? What year was he brought into the uh, NH into the Canadians? That is an. Awesome question because I have no idea. Oh, was it? Sorry, it was eight years ago. Was it 2012? Sorry, because Galchenyuk. Yes. Okay. So yes, yes, yes. He yes, talked yes. about his. He hasn't given up a first round pick for whatever. Oh yeah, I don't think he's ever traded the first. A okay. first round draft he, pick, not a player drafted in the first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So shall we talk about who he's drafted since 2012? Because he's so proud of it. If if you don't mind, I'm just gonna go through it. Uh, 2012, Alex Galchenyuk. He, first of all, he's the, 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 the manager in charge of all that is actually Trevor Timmons. Yeah, but he makes the final call. Yes, as he actually points out later on he in this article. He makes the final call. Yes. Alex Galchenyuk in 2012. Huh? No, even no words. Uh, Michael McCarran in 2013. Who got dealt in an AHL deal earlier this year. Uh, 2014, Nikita Sherback. Who is in the KHL. Uh, 2015, Noah Yulson. Who is, uh, that's unfortunate because he's had a lot of headache issues in that. But uh, was playing in the NHL before it happened. 2016, Mikhail Sergachev. Pretty good. Great. Yeah, Great. I'm pleased to be a 20-minute 20, 20 player on Tampa. Right. I uh, turned yeah. it to Jonathan Drew. There we go. Which uh, that you, there's, we still have to wait to see what happens with that, but uh, a great player. Yes, he drafted a fantastic player uh, that's for not, another organization. Right. 2017, Ryan Paling. Um. Yes, he's. Uh, in, you know what? He's he's played some NHL okay. games and all and that. And then the yeah. last two years are Kanyami and Caulfield, which I think have been turned out. Nineteen and eighteen year olds, right? Which we are. Yeah. So I, we're not gonna comment, but I think, you know, I don't have to say it here. It's 2016 uh, onwards. Their drafting has ter- improved, but you, you yeah you talk about that. What's the saying? You mess up on your first round pick, it sets your organization back five years. 
Yeah. He's failed to draft an impact player in the first round. I mean, he drafted Mikhail Sergachev. That's an impact Great player. player. For another organization. A big talking point was actually about Montreal's left side of the defense in this organization. First of all, so of course, he comes in for the 2012 draft, which is a famous draft as in, except for maybe two players, the top six of that draft is complete trash. And this is a little snippet on Morgan Riley in 2012. Quote, yes, I liked him very much, this is Bergerman. But I had just been hired on May 2nd, and my staff liked Alex Galchenyuk very much. I was with Chicago that season, and we were drafting later. We weren't wasting our time with Galchenyuk. Again, this is translated. Who was probably going to be chosen from amongst the first. In addition, I had we, he had played that winter. Of course, I think what he tries to say here is, of course, for those of you who don't know, Galchenyuk actually had like, a big injury issue, and he didn't actually play a lot that year. See with Morgan Riley, fun fact. Yes. Um, continuing the quote... In addition, we had I say he played the. I looked at their situation at center. We had David Dayarnay, Thomas Blakanics at the time, a very good top six centerman, great two way, and Chucky was considered a second. That's Alex Galchenyuk. Your take, uh, sorry, um, your taking office haven't seen you. Sorry, what? Basically, <laughs> what he's let me paraphrase this because the, the translation is very messy. What he basically tries to say here is. He doesn't want to come in straight away, go against his entire staff, and take Morgan Riley. Now, Peter Shirelli got a lot of flack for when he first came in to Edmonton. And was it Shirelli? Tantuku. No, no, it wasn't Shirelli because Shirelli came in and then signed Lucci's. So whoever was running the Oilers, maybe Craig McTavish that, the Oilers' brain trust wanted them to take... Was it Ryan Murray first overall? Ryan Murray, yeah. Who, well, Ryan Murray uh, was was taken second overall. So, and it was only the GM at the time of the Oilers who said, ignored their entire staff of Neil Yakupov. Neil Yakupov is now in the KHL. So, I'm going to give credit to Bergevin here. Okay, you listen to your staff. Now, at the same time, I find it very funny that you've come out after... It, this is like Alex Galchernik's last stint in the AHL. In the NHL. NHL, sorry. You're probably the biggest reason because of how his development went. Now there's fault on two sides here. It, it just This part of the interview just kind of felt like kicking a player while they were down. I don't think this was mentioned. And hi, just bring up the 70-point defenseman in your uh, biggest rival. I like that a lot. So... I just I see a couple things wrong there. Do you want to hear his justification for the Jonathan Druin trade? Please, I really want to know. Because, so he says, "Quote: If you look today a little, yes, it hurt our defense. This a little trading away Smikal Sergachev. Your your left side that's but depleted. Since the exchange in June 2017 to Jonathan Druin has not yet reached his maximum potential, which is fair. He had okay. a good stretch this season, and he's still hurt now. Yeah. Continuing." Until it is done, it's still difficult to compare the two. At the time, we had just lost Alex Radulov. Okay. And because of him. Because yes, because Mark Bergevin lowballed. They lost Alex Radulov because of. It's uh, Mark he would say taxes, but Mark, but yes, Mark Bergevin. Okay. And bringing a Quebecer was important. Now, please remember, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm translating this to the best of my ability. So, I, I, I am also... if Here's the question here. If you get Jonathan Drew in next year, what Jonathan Drew was at the start of this season, 
And depending on how Romanov turns out, and Mete continues, then it's fine. But at the same time, you look at what Mikhail Sergachev already is now, the trade is starting to look like Tampa won it. So his justification is that Jonathan Drew was your replacement for Alex Radulov. Then why did you play him at center? For me, I think the day that trade happened, Tampa Bay had won it. There were already you're trading, you're trading Jonathan Drouin, who wanted a new or who needed a fresh start, for a top prospect, who could potentially be an impact player. Yes. Who was That's probably the, the best defenseman in that draft with Miguel Sergachev. So, and you may be asking, weird, because there's another defenseman they let loose, and that was Andre Markov. And I've been vocal on this podcast about that. So he says about Andre Markov, quote, We wanted to sign him in 2017. We offered him more than what he received in Russia. He had no agent, and even his former agent said he would have advised him to accept our offer. I had to negotiate with him. It did not work. Shortly after, he even told someone close to the organization that he regretted not accepting our offer. Do I regret that he did not accept the offer? Yes, but I wouldn't have done anything different. So isn't there an issue there for you? Because he... So first off, he he was going to receive more money in Montreal. Yes. So what's the the common denominator? Oh, it's... Remember how we talked about that player agent poll and people... The agents in there said that Bergevin has this thing of how he has his back against the wall when it comes to negotiations? Yeah. And again, this is the same Mark Bergman after Radulov said, if you want loyalty, get a dog, but he's bending over backwards for Ilya Kovalchuk with the Alex Romanov situation. Right, so is there not... There's a common denominator here, and this is years later. When did Markov leave? Markov left in 2017. Because, yeah, then it was the 17-18 season that was a total mess, so it was 2017... Like, there has to be a point where you sit there and say, okay, this situation happened, this situation happened... This situation happened, and then this situation happened. And he's the common denominator in all of them. You know why you guys now have won the the Arizona trade for Max Domi? Why? Because because Max Domi needed a fresh start and got a good one. Auskal Chenyuk went to Arizona, didn't play well, got traded. We, We mentioned a little earlier, so during this interview, it said that on either side of him, Bergevin had the VP of Public Affairs and Communications for the Canadians, Paul Wilson, and the Director of Legal Affairs and Financial Head, John Sedgwick, in order to give the most detailed information possible. So I just I find that very, very interesting. Um, but next, I'm sure we would like to talk... In this interview, one very interesting thing is... Um, Bergevin hints that the Habs are going to be looking at getting a score during the season, the offseason, which... I don't agree with If Okay, huh? so I don't, don't agree... Listen, is them getting I mean, a score? Do you guys want to get... Do you want to finish the rebuild, or you want to be stuck as Minnesota? Which one do you want? Because next year, despite what everyone's saying, is if Caulfield's not coming who's supposed to be this generational scorer. Why bring in another scorer? Have another down year? Well, because he still thinks he can be competitive next year. He's been saying this for how many years? At, at a certain point, again, 
He's been saying that you guys are going to be competitive. You guys had a down year. Oh, we're going to be competitive next year. Another down year. We're going to be competitive next year. You know who's saying the same thing? Paul Fenton was saying the same thing. Who was there before Paul Fenton? Chuck Fletcher? Yes. Chuck Fletcher was saying the same thing. Both of them are out of a job. Is it not concerning that we've heard the same thing about about Montreal and nothing has changed? In fact, he's brought in depth players instead. No, and that's that's and the, see that's the fault of Jeff Molson now and the board there that nothing has literally changed. Correct. It's going to be amazing at the end of the season where they meet up and Bergevin tries to explain what's going on. And there's a lot of stuff. Like the athletic guys like Art Bambasu, Marc-Antoine Gordon have talked about that. It's I, I, I legit think, and I brought them, that's why I brought them up potential GMs in, in New Jersey earlier. I really do think that Mark Bergevin is one bad meeting away. From being gone. Yeah, because I'm... Before we kind of hit a conclusion here, um, yes, so Cole Caulfield, if there's been one criticism of him, it's that, yes, when Cole, when he has the puck, fantastic. Mm-hmm. But you got there's a big comparison to Patrick Line here. It's whatever, whenever Caulfield doesn't have the puck, is you need to figure it all, everything else out. He's having an amazing freshman year for Wisconsin right now. So Bergevin says that they're going to tell him to stay in school for another year. But if if Caulfield is very insistent, then he'll be playing with the Laval Rocket, which good. That's perfectly That's fine. fine. That's what scouts are saying about him, and you don't want to rush him. Now the same thing is said about Kokinemi. That um, they first of all he says he doesn't regret that that uh, KK made the team last year. When if you watched his training camp in the first three fourths of his season. He deserved to be on. He was an NHL player, and they were disappointed what happened this year, and that. Yeah, of course, it was a big disappointment. But they're very impressed how he's really stepped up his game, and uh, what he has done in Laval. And there was this very interesting part that I saw that was basically saying that it was a really it was really nice to see him because apparently in the past with players. That hasn't always been the case when they've tried to fix certain problems. And considering at the end of this article there was some Alex Galchenyuk stuff. I think there is a hint of that. And finally, when it comes to oh Jordan Harris, actually no, I won't I won't mention exactly because okay. I want people to read this article. And finally, Romanov, nothing is set in stone because you can't obviously because he's still under contract somewhere, right. but it looks like he will come back, and a big part of Kovalchuk was to entice Okay. Romanov. Quite last question for me. Yes. Because we talked about what they sh- you talked about saying them getting a score. Yes. I think that's clo- a big part of that is Claude Julian has been begging him for years to go get one. Like when Caulfield was drafted, there was th- there's this behind the scenes video where Julian's like, "Yeah, get me more goal scorers, please." Okay, what do you want them to do? Get a goal scorer or or go through a proper rebuild? Because I don't think you can have both. Oh, I want them to go through a rebuild, of course. I've okay. wanted that for a past few seasons, but now I see... But seeing where Bergeron wants to take the team, they've needed a finisher since Pacioretty left. And that's a big fault of Bergeron that he never went out and got it. Right. But then again, who's available and what price you're willing to pay? Because also Bergeron has a very bad habit of saying, I'm not overpaying people in free agency. Correct. 
And now there have been room like whispers from Friedman is that that apparently people in the league have told him that the draft is in Montreal. They have plenty of picks. Yeah. That maybe he could make a move. But then I I say to that, is it Groundhog Day the movie? Because I think I've heard that before. Yeah. It's every trade deadline, every draft, free agency, we always hear the Habs are about to do something big, and it's just a constant disappointment. I I don't know why. It's just... It's so interesting. There's a part of me that almost wants Bergman to keep his job just to see what this guy seems to have planned and just see it all blow up in his face again. And it's just... His press conference after the trade deadline was just so... People were asking him the same questions because he just wasn't giving a proper answer and he seemed so all over the place and just... I don't know what he's doing. How many times have we said that? I just don't I don't know what Bergevin's doing. I feel like since episode one of the show, we've been saying the same thing. I think we've been saying it since we met. Yeah. Yeah. What episode is this? 49. This is episode 49. Yeah, Wednesdays will be episode 50. Oh, Alex, I don't think I'm available on Wednesdays. I think we're going to have to have episode 50 on a Sunday in studio. Oh, no. Did someone say pizza party? What? I don't know. Yeah. Daniel better come. Hopefully. We're going to make him. Anyway. Yes. yes. I think that's everything. That is. Um, there was nothing I see on Twitter. Nothing? You did my damn Twitter check? Yes. You selfish bastard. Well, the new uh, LFR is up. Oh, that's nice. Um, oh. Yeah. I think that's. I think we're good. Leafs now on pace for only three fewer points in last season from James Myrtle. I awesome. say they do it. The Gretzky of viruses from the uh, Saturday Star. Oh, God. Jesus Christ. Spitting chicklets quote tweeting that. All right. And I saw a tweet that said, Henrik Lundqvist deserves better than this. Probably. Well, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, I guess that is it for this episode of the 201 Podcast, a new standard in sports podcasting. If you enjoyed this episode, here's what you need to do. If you're listening to this on, say, YouTube, you need to subscribe, like, leave a comment, let us know what you think. Tell me who do you think New Jersey's next general manager would be. What do you think the Leafs are going to do in the offseason? Does Mark Bergman deserve his job? If you're listening to this on Spotify, why not subscribe or follow, whatever you have to do on that. Apple Podcasts, the same thing. Leave a review. Leave a rating. All that kind of stuff. Wherever you listen to your podcast, if you can do any of that sort of stuff, you need to do it and share the show. We want more listeners because why wouldn't we? We want more people to talk to. We want more engagement in this show. We love it. And while you're at it, check out the show's Instagram page as well as my YouTube channel over there, me and Alex's socials, and, of course, Daniel's. And why don't you go and tweet at Daniel saying, good luck, tweet at the score, TSN Sportsnet, telling them to give him a damn job because he deserves it. Alex. Keep listening. We're done. We're done.